I am Chrome. But see that that that's the that's the thing, right? Is is the, the, this is us, man? I'm I'm I trust my stuff with Apple. You trust your stuff with Google. It's true. It's like it's like ebony and ivory up in here. Uh, wait, are we going? We'll go. We'll go in a minute. We're recording. Okay, so we'll, oh, we're, are we? Want. No, let's let's just start. Let's start, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, okay, because it fits kind of with your with your first little thing here, right? Okay. So uh, uh, Tuesday. What is today? October seventh. Jesus, it's October, people. Not only is it October, it's October seventh. We've been here yeah. a week. Yeah, it's October, and and it's still going to be over hundred degrees today in Southern California. Hi, oh. fall. <laughs> it's actually getting cool here the other day. It was it was forty eight degrees the other morning. Oh my god, I would love that. It's well, it doesn't even cool. It's it's been in the eighties at night. Really, no flaming ball in the sky, and it's still eighties. Now, right now, Justin Weatherby's like, wow, but it's still a hundred here yeah. in Vegas. <laughs> nah. That's a whole other world, though. It is. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, maybe he's still hanging out at the Rancho Cucamonga sign. I don't know. There's a Rancho Cucamonga sign that he was at? Yeah, there's a sign. He posted what, did he a, drive a, through and... <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Is he outside your window right now? <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's Tuesday. Uh, it's, it's on Taking Pictures, the weekly photography podcast that asks you... What does it ask? I don't know. What we, maybe we need to come up with a question. <laughs> 130, how many episodes are we? 128. episodes in. Yeah. This is the weekly podcast that, that, that says... It answers the question... Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my name's Jeffrey Sidoris. St- you know what? Still from Faded and Blurred, even though Faded and Blurred not there right nice. now. Well, it's, it's still there. Just not new Just stuff. Just not being updated. Not being updated. But we'll talk about that. Uh, with me... The, 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 the formidable portrait photographer from the New York City, Bill Wadman. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? You know, I'm okay. Uh, I've, been, I've been building this, this new project, working on the new thing. Right. Um, it's going. It's going. It's going. It's going. Uh, I don't like writing the code. Uh, I used to. Yeah, I used to, I used to like it too. Uh, not so much, but it's it's going to be really. Ex- I'm excited because it's going to be really cool. It's going to be fun. Got some new stuff. Here it is. It's like the difference between playing with Lego or having to actually build a car that runs for the next 15 years out of Lego. Maybe, yeah. Like you know what I mean. Like if if you're just messing around with code and building your own website, that's one thing. But like when yeah. it has to work and it has to be bug free, that's yeah. when it gets annoying. The, you know, this one I'm I'm actually taking a different. A different route tack? with, yeah, taking a different tack with the site. Most of what I'm working on right now is is sort of logistics and and getting contacts and getting schedules figured out and and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, more on that later. Okay, um, what are we talking about today? So you you well you've got this thing up uh, uh, passion and purpose. And it, can I, can I jump in just real quick, just yeah, real quick? Sure. Okay. So, so yesterday, cause I, th- this made me think of this yesterday. Uh, I think it was cult of Mac. A lot of people have been posting, uh, uh, uh thoughts, uh, tributes, homages to, to Steve jobs, the yeah. late Steve jobs and cult of Mac posted this, uh, this video 
of jobs. Uh, it was his first sort of internal uh, uh, talk with, with employees uh, after he got back to Apple. Uh, and it's it's is it that long one where he's talking about uh, open dock and he's complaining about stuff and people are asking questions? No, no, okay. no, no. This, this it was basically it was the internal introduction of the Think Different campaign. Oh, okay. And I just thought it was interesting because he he he'd been at Apple about eight weeks, and he said, you know, what? I've looked at our product roadmap, and you know, because we we plan things three or four years out, and I'm looking at all these products, and and it didn't make sense to me. So we've gutted 70% of the products that were on the board. Yeah. And we're doing the four quadrant thing. Yeah. Uh, And, and, you know, talking about the, the amount of product that they had in manufacturing and, and in distribution, and we're cutting that and we're getting back to, to what Apple is as a company. What, what do we want to be as a company? What's the, what's the DNA to use what you've got in the notes here? What's the passion and the purpose behind Apple? Okay. And, and that's when he, he starts talking about the Think Different campaign, which was a brilliant campaign, I think. A uh, brilliant marketing campaign, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he was talking about how, how you know, the, the, the whole sort of ethos was, was, was changing and they weren't going to talk about MIPS and flops and, 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 you know, we're better than Windows or we're not better than Windows. They're going to pull on heartstrings instead. Yeah, we're going to take the product out of the product advertising, you know. <laughs> Basically the same thing as, as Nike has done for years and has been very successful at, you sure. know, Nike. It's a, it's a lifestyle thing. Right. They've turned We're, Apple into a lifestyle product. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think there are, I mean, not to, to be the fanboy kind of thing, but, but I think there are a few companies who have done it as well as Apple in terms of, of, of marketing the, the sort of guts of the company. They, they have excellent marketers. Uh, yeah. All of that's true. I guess the, the, the question is whether you believe the hype in, in the sense um, that the whole idea of the think different campaign was that, you know, every, look, Jeffrey, everybody wants to be different. Everyone wants to be special. Everyone wants to be the person who's not average, who's not the same as everybody else. Like that's that's the that's what made that that campaign kind exactly. of exactly. But does using a certain kind of computer make you that person or is that just is that just marketing fluff? Well, that's the big question, isn't right. it? And I think, uh, and, but the people who actually think that they're better because they use a Mac in 1997 or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like that's where it goes off the rails for me. You know, it's like, okay, it's a computer. It's a good computer. Good for you. You know, you're not right, better right, right. because you use it, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, think different. I, it also bothers something about that campaign always bothered me that they, stuck this think different label on all kinds of people who yes, were, were people who thought different, but that doesn't mean they had anything to do with Apple. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, Jim Henson. It's like, well, Jim Henson never used a Mac. You know what I mean? Or, or you see what I'm saying that I feel like they, they glommed on to other people's uh, reputations in order to further their own. Maybe I think especially that ad with all the, you know, the footage of the people, you know, like the classic one. Yeah, I, I see. I don't agree. Like you're I think like they a, were, you're, we're like Amelia Earhart. It's like no, you're a company selling computers. You're not Amelia Earhart. Well, but they had to get permission, so the estate of Amelia Earhart saw something in or that. They paid money to it. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think. Something, something I, I don't about think that Yoko always made me feel a little. Something about that always made me feel like a little icky. The way they did that, I don't know. Maybe because that's it's just be, me. 
Because it's business. You don't like business. Well, yeah, I don't like business, but I don't I don't think that business and I don't think that business and all of this and 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 perp and and personal fulfillment have anything to do with each other. You know, and I but think I think that that clouds people, they do. Or 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 American marketing has made them think that they do. That's my question. Whether mm-hmm. they actually do or whether that's just what people have been led to believe and so they believe it, you know, because people at, on, you know, Madison Avenue are really good at their jobs. And it's the same thing as the priceless campaign, you know, the, the MasterCard stuff. It's right. a great campaign, you know. Look, yeah, the hot dogs cost $10. The tickets cost $35. An afternoon with your son at the ball game, like priceless. And it's like, right. uh, okay, yeah, MasterCard, you, you, are you really sticking yourself in the equation with me and the love of my son? <laughs> Because that's what it feels like, you know, but it's, but it's a good narrative. It's a good story, right. you know, and it sells right. product, but like, is it anything beyond that? I guess is, is the question, you know, you, you've got this passion and purpose in there and I, yeah. and I know it wasn't about Apple. So what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, got? you sure it wasn't about Apple? It could have been it about could, Apple. I think it's about Apple, but well, you know, yeah, you think everything's about Apple. <laughs> uh, we got an email a couple weeks ago from I think, uh, Chris. Ainsley. Okay. This is how you pronounce it from over from, uh, from New Zealand. And, um, we were, you know what it is like you and I get in a lot of these uh, quips about, um, uh, where I say, I want to do what makes me happy. And you say, you can't always do what makes you happy. And, and the, the, I think that the, the, the words that I'm using are wrong. In the sense that I've been doing some reading lately and people always talk about it's not it's not really happiness, it's meaning that you're finding, right? So uh, that, well hopefully. Hopefully there can be both. Right. Hopefully, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can be happy and and do yeah. something meaningful. But but you can do something that you don't necessarily enjoy while doing it, but you get meaning out of it and therefore you find whatever, right? You know, like I don't think anybody likes changing babies' diapers, but you do it because you find meaning in having a child or what have you. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Uh and so anyway, he, he, this guy wrote in, he said, um, uh, he wanted to chime in with his two cents while it's fresh on his brain. Uh, he feels the same way as Jeffrey. Uh, life is always a trade off about what I love and what pays the bills, what makes me happy. These things are very often not the same. Uh, I think the key though, and Bill mentioned briefly, uh, with Mike Rowe's Ted talk, which I like that Mike Rowe guy. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a, he seems like he's pretty down to earth. Um, is that people fundamentally want to do what's meaningful and make a difference. Uh, this is the kind of work that really makes one happy. So there's lots of people, you know, who I'm going off script here uh, that, you know, are doing something they don't really love. But they it's like the people remember in the um, uh, the Vic Munez documentary, right? The 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 pickers, the people the pickers, who were pulling the sure. stuff out of the trash and like and they thought like what they were doing was really useful, like worth something. You know what I mean? Like because they, they at the end of the day, they found stuff that they sold to people who couldn't afford it or whatever it was. Right. Right. Um, he said, so back to the email. So, uh, I might love photography and get a lot of creative, st- creative simulation out of it. But if my photography is not quote, making a difference in some meaningful sense of the world, uh, of, in the world, uh, my work isn't really going to fulfill me even though day to day I enjoy it. It's not making me happy. Um, okay. Can- well, that's a, that's a big, there's Absol- a lot of stuff going on. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Which so, is why I brought up. Well, hold on a second. Let me just finish. Okay. One yeah, can ahead. have a dirty, unglamorous job such as street cleaning, but the job is meaningful to do, and so people uh, will seem f- will be fulfilled, and it will make them happy. The key for all of us is try to find where our interests 
uh, and, and what we enjoy intersects with work that means something and makes a difference to the world, uh, which is where we really find happiness. Hope this, uh, that one day somehow I'll find a way to pair my love of creativity, photography and otherwise works. that's meaningful. Do, uh, do what I love, love what I do. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much, uh, Chris. So, okay. Go ahead. Well, it, it, that's a big get, right? It, yeah. It, it, he's setting himself up on, on some level for, having his photography mean something to the world. And if it doesn't mean something to the world, then it doesn't mean something to him. Well, and it could, I, it could, well, if maybe that, if that's how he defines it, right. For right. him. Yep. Um, maybe, maybe start from micro to macro instead of macro to micro start, start with it meaning something to you. The act of doing it, the act of producing this work means something to you. You can't control how the world is going to react, respond. Nope whether they appreciate or don't appreciate, you, you can't control that. You, you, you can control when to start and to an extent what to do. Yep. But once you let it loose into the world, it's, it's yeah. beyond you. Yeah, you it's can't, beyond you can't your control. make people love it. You can't make people like it. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, look, there's, if, if, if what you like doing is, I don't know, let's say taking photographs of tire treads in mud you know, I could see how you would think I really enjoy doing this, but why would anyone else ever care about tire treads in mud? You right. know, like the world at large is never going to, it's never going to take the world by storm. Right. 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 You know? Or like my dumpsters or your I don't, dumpsters. I don't, I don't care that anybody likes right. them or doesn't like them. Right. Right. But you also, you, 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 that you are doing it in the way that Chris says you're doing that for fun. You're not trying to, you know, make a living being a dumpster photographer. Or, or True. trying to change the world with your dumpster photography. You just like dumpsters, so you take pictures of dumpsters, which is which is kind of where it all needs to start. I guess is what you're saying. I yeah. I mean, what if what if after the fact, uh, you know, five hundred or a thousand dumpster pictures later, uh, a pattern emerges that 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 affects and and a, and and changes people's commentary on waste and refuse yep. and how yep. we certainly you know, could happen. Who knows? Yep. Who knows? That's not that's not my intention. My intention is more of a of a I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but I guess maybe he defines meaning mm-hmm. uh, as as having a a an effect greater than him uh, than his own sense of self. You know what? No, whether that means that people love it or whether it means that it makes people's day, you know what I mean? Like there's plenty mm-hmm. of stuff that people do. It's like, you know, where some guy could be out on the street, you know, as a clown on the street, not making it, not even having a, a hat out for, for busking. Right. He just likes to see the look on the kids faces. You know what I mean? Like right. there's, so there's something to say even for, for that, you know, where, where in my own portraiture, I find meaning in just sitting and talking to people on top of the pictures, right? Like I would sit and talk to those people even without the photographs happening. So that's part of where I find meaning in it. So I enjoy doing it, but I also find meaning even beyond whether or not the photos are good, whether I think they're good, whether anybody else thinks they're good. You know, um, it is it is a tricky thing, though, right? Um, well, it, it yeah. And I would ask Chris, you know, what are you photographing? Yeah. Are you are you photographing? Is is the subject matter of your work something that lends itself to meaning something to the world. Is it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are, the are trick you, is to not end up doing something because it's going to mean something to the world. 
Right. That's it's also mean something trouble to you. Too. Right. Yeah. It has to mean something to you. And if in the end it means something to somebody else, all the better. Sure. Um, sure. I don't, I don't know that you can, that you can set out. I don't know. I, I, I my Look, own plenty personality. Plenty of people set out with the, w- putting the cart before the horse and are right. successful somewhat by chance. Right. You know, plenty of people are like, oh, this is what the market needs. Well, you know, to some extent, looking at what the market needs and filling that hole is what business is all about. Yes. But right. again, it comes back to you. You can't control how people are going to respond. Right. You True. know, when 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 I, I had ideas that that fed and blurred would become something other than what it's become right, wrong or indifferent. It, it, it is sort of what it is. And it's 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 become the vehicle to get me to this next phase, this next project, this right. next sort of evolution. Had it become the thing that I thought I wanted it to become, would I be here now? Would I, would I be on the, on the sort of cusp of this new project? No. Yeah. But that, because I would have, I would have gone in a different direction. That's always the thing, you know, like had I met my partner in college when we were both in Boston at the same time, it's like, well, we wouldn't have liked each other cause I had long hair and she was what, you know what I mean? Right. Whatever it is. Um, I, I think, you know what it is there? Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Lately I've become less, obsessed with my career in the sense that my career is, is fine. It's growing. It's not growing as much as I'd like it to, but it's growing and maybe it'll take a leap. You know what I mean? Like it fits and starts, you know, it's, it's random. Um, but at the same time, I'm also sort of seeing this more of a holistic view of life and living in the sense that like the other morning, I, I just, I won't go into it too deeply, but I, I had a very, I had a terrible, terrible, terrible migraine. Uh, worst I've ever had. Um, and Which so, is saying something because you've had some bad ones. Yeah, I, I have had some bad ones. I've never actually, uh, yeah, like it, it, it made me physically ill right. having this having this thing for hours. Um, it was it was like having food poisoning, except I hadn't eaten anything. It was just and it was like having a food poisoning with a headache. Right. right. <laughs> Imagine okay. that. All right. All right. Imagine your head in a vice having food poisoning. Um. And I just sat there and I, you know, as I was sort of coming out of it and whatnot, I was just thinking, you know what? There are people for whom this is the norm. Sure. You know, people for or, whom. Or worse. Yeah, or worse. Yeah. And and it's like, you know what? If I sit here for an hour this afternoon and listen to music or go took a walk or what have you. That's okay. You know what I mean? Like that there's, there's meaning in relationships. There's meaning in all of these things, right. That we, that we talk about. Um, uh, and so w- while, while I think that there is a need to find meaning in your career, which if you're interested in photography and whatnot, um, is, is, is a tricky question to answer from a, from a market point of view and all the rest of it. Um, I think there's also a sense of trying to fit, your creativity can have meaning in your life. That's beyond it being your job. Right. Which we've talked about before. Absolutely. Um, and in some ways it frees you up to be able to have it for it to have a deeper meaning because it doesn't require you to, to worry about the day to day stuff, you know? Um, yes. And, and who's to say that it can't, why can't it have meaning if it's just you taking pictures of tire treads and mud? You know, well, it can. Yeah. So I, I guess that's what you were saying initially is, is, is 
micro to macro. Yeah, it yeah. can have meaning and it should have meaning. Yeah. If 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 it's something that that you know y- you are passionate about the process of taking pictures that you are passionate about uh m- making photographs of 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 whatever maybe the purpose doesn't have to be that the world appreciates them maybe start with with you and your immediate circle and and build out yeah let those ripples grow instead of expecting yeah. that that you know you're going to put up an instagram photo and and suddenly you know 10,000 people are going to say, Oh my God, this changed my life. Yeah. That, that seems like, it seems like you're setting yourself up for, for an awfully difficult road. Well, I think you're also any sort of expectation like that is, is folly. It's like, uh, I, feel I don't like, know that it's, that's folly. It just, it's hard to live up to. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean that it's, it's, it, you have to, I feel like it, mm, Anytime that I've been successful in things that I do creatively, it's always been just because I wanted to do it for myself and then I shared it and other people liked it and that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like it's never been it's never been me trying to create something for the market. Mm-hmm. It's always been me just doing something, me putting it out there, not expecting hundreds of people to share it. Right. The hundreds of people sharing it is is the unexpected byproduct of me doing it for myself and loving it. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, it, it's 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 a it's a line between art and product. Yes. And and you you but you something can, can't be both. Sure, it can. Okay. Sure, it can. Sure, it can. Uh, but I I think I think the, the deciding whether it's art or not that's that's the public's decision. That's not your decision. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even beyond that, to, to, to decide whether it has any meaning to anybody. I mean, keep the A word out of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I don't think you can. I don't yeah. think you can decide whether but it has meaning. I guess, you know, to, back, to your, back to the Apple argument, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Apple fanboy for half a second. Okay. It's because Apple views their products as having meaning, which is step one to their audience thinking they have meaning. Yes. Right. So your stuff isn't going to mean anything to anybody else unless it means something to you. Right. And therefore that that's why you get back to, you need to, you need to make the kind of things you need to take the kinds of photographs that you enjoy making, because if you're not enjoying making them, well then step one in the step 27 of the mission is never going to happen. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Make the film you want to see. Write the book you want to read. Right. So, so, and and it's. I I think that there's. I don't. Know, I think that there's a lot of. Um, that's why when 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 you have people who, that, that's why it's difficult to draw the line between advice or criticism or nudging or inspiration, and. And wondering whether that's taking you closer to what you find meaning when, or if it's somehow pulling you further away from who you are and therefore further away from meaning, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's such a difficult place to be because there's, there's no, there's, there's no way to know, you know, you almost have to just, Oh, I'm going to make all these changes with the stuff that I do because I'm not satisfied right now. And yeah, it's, you know, what Joe told me said, suggested that I go in that direction. So I'll go in that direction. But 
that might actually, you might find that that actually takes you further away from where you're trying to get to. And right. you got to turn around. Well, you know? and then the, the difficulty is that it's always a moving target. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You're changing all along this, right? You're right. mutating as, as the time goes. It's, it's, yes. it's all. I think, uh, Chris, I, I think you need to start with you. Yeah, I really do. I think you need to start with, with find you finding meaning in it and, and your, your belief in what you do will, I think, drive you further than trying to second guess what other people are going to like. Seriously, if he sends us an email next week saying that he does take pictures of tire treads in mud, <laughs> that's going to be pretty funny. <laughs> you know, this anyway. actually this actually drives into the next topic. All right, what do you this got? Actually, lines up pretty well. So, in the past few weeks, I've 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 had some encounters with people at parties and at uh, you know friends of mine and whatever. Uh, some people who are are older than me and and are sort of in a different phase of their life in a different generation. And some people who are younger than me in sort of a different generation. And it's interesting. I, I was I was at this party the other day, and I was talking to everyone. And I was having good conversations, but I'm I'm a I'm a little bit older than the other people in the room, like eight nine years older. You know, okay. they're all like early thirties. I'm late thirties, right? Okay. And even though we were having the same conversation, it didn't. We were having a conversation. It didn't feel like we were on the same wavelength. How so? Well, for example, they, they were, they were, they were very surprised that I had never seen big top peewee. You've never seen big top peewee. No, I never saw. I saw the first one. I never saw the second one. It's not um, as good actually. Well, see there. I'm not that, I don't feel that bad about but, it. But, but, but rarely is a sequel better than the first one. Uh, yeah, true. True. Rarely. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, ne- and I was never a big, peewee fan although he was on the blacklist last night which was really strange did you ever watch the television show peewee's playhouse uh i had i have seen uh yes i I was never like a watcher of it but i have seen it yes and i watched that documentary about the guy who remember we talked about the documentary the guy who did all the yep all the puppets all the art for it yeah um which was pretty interesting Uh, i i respect for all that i didn't really find it i didn't enjoy it all that much um but anyway, we were talking about it and I was like, you know what? Maybe part of it is that you guys were in second and third grade and I was in freshman high school when that came out. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's, maybe that's part of the difference, you know? And, but here's the thing. I don't feel like I am older than I was when I was their age or older than I was when I was 24, you know, just like, you know, I'm sure you don't feel like you're your age in many ways. You know what I mean? Like, do you, I guess my thing is, I wonder if the, the, the older guys that, that I've been talking to lately, a lot of photographers who are, you know, a generation above me, um, they shoot in a, in a, in a certain way, the way that they shot when they started out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they look at the world, they take the kinds of pictures that they took when, when they were doing it, uh, and I wonder if each generation doesn't sort of have a character, for lack of a better word, um, and that those characters don't change. The character of a generation doesn't really change. It's just that time is sliding by underneath it all. You know what I mean? No. Um, how do I explain this? So, you know, let's say you, let's say you and I, well, we're what, like four or five years apart in age, all, all, uh... all old jokes aside. 
something like that. Yeah, okay. Seven, maybe okay. six, seven, say seven years. Right. Like in some ways you experienced things when you were younger that I didn't experience. Cause I was too young for that or whatever it is. You know, right. Uh, I saw a picture the other day in a friend's bathroom and it was like, she had up, uh, her, her, her first grade, uh, class photo, you know, first grade class photo, Mrs. Johnson's class, 1991. She was in first grade. I was in first grade in 1981. Right. We, we, there's, there's a certain level of experience that she and I don't share that maybe you and I share or somebody like, you know, Conrad and I share. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that that, that way of seeing the world changes all that much through our lives. I think the world around us changes. It's like, it's like the ground underneath us is shifting, but we're kind of staying where we are. It's hard to really explain what I'm trying to say. And I just think that I wonder if, 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 if we don't change, if people of my age take the kinds of pictures that I take, because that's the kind of pictures that I saw in the eighties and nineties. You see what I'm saying? Whereas maybe my visual aesthetic is, is more seventies. Right. And, Interesting. Okay. And, and that the people last night, they grew up, they were teenagers in the early two thousands. You know, they were mm-hmm. teenagers after nine 11, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Where it's like, so they'll aesthetically see the world differently, you know, and, and that there's very little you can do about it. Like basically that you're just on some sort of train of nostalgia or something. You know what I mean? Like you are, you are what you were imprinted with for the first 20 years of your life. And you're, and, and the, your whole generation is moving forward and the, 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 the style and the fashion and the culture is all sort of moving underneath you. And whether it's in sync with you at any time or not, it has nothing to do with you changing. It's society like changing underneath you. So are, are the standouts then those people who can transcend that? Maybe I mean, if we, if we, if we look at the people who kind of broke stylistic you know, molds. Yeah. Like Bowie, for example. Sure. Yeah. Is, is somebody Bowie like Bowie. Like he was ahead of his time. Who, who, yeah. And who can, who can reinvent himself in any number of ways. But I think even that is a somewhat of a cultural thing. Cause you know what? I bet you there's a lot of kids in high school and in their twenties right now who don't really know who David Bowie is mm-hmm. in the same way that there are lots of kids who don't know who Paul McCartney is, you know? I think that 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 your statement right there is an example of what I'm talking about. You know, the the way that you see culture and whatever it is, is based upon what it was when you were formed, you know? Interesting. And, and I wonder if, so people are going to look at, I don't know, Lady Gaga, the way I look at Bowie. Yes. Yeah, exactly. For better or for worse. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and the guys and gals who were professional photographers in the eighties, Look at the photography world and the style and what they're supposed to take and how they light stuff as how it was done then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And most of them don't sort of keep up with what's hip or whatever it is, you know, um, or, or just, just the way things are done, how differently things are done. You know, my friend Alex has, he shoots with a, with a, with a ISO 50 Hasselblad back on his, on his Hasselblad, right? Um, he has multiple 4,000 watt second packs, like, you know, uh, uh, lights, strobes, which is a gigantic light, huge, 
enormous to where like yeah. you plug you plug one in you have to worry that the that your electrical system's not going to fail i mean you know? uh, for for comparison isn't isn't an alien b the the ab1600 the, the, isn't that only 600 watt seconds yeah it's 640 watt seconds okay right so this is this is uh well you know yeah but doubling just gives you a stop so let's say 1200 2400 it's like three or four stops more than a full powered Einstein or whatever it is, you know, right. is what this thing gives. It's a lot of juice. It's a lot of juice to the point where there's a slow recycle time, Jeffrey, that takes 30 seconds to reload wow. the strobe. Right. That, that's, that's Heisler shooting through background paper power. Exactly. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a perfect example in the sense that that's the way Heisler shoots because that's the way Heisler shot in the eighties mm-hmm. and it's very successful, but it's also sort of, not the way the world is today in the sense that no one has 4,000 watt second packs sitting around, you know, unless you're shooting cars in a, in a stadium or something, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's, just, it's, it, I was talking to him yesterday. I was like, that's funny. Cause like the most, the most powerful strobe that I generally use is of course I'm doing much smaller stuff. Although he was doing like a lot of still life and stuff is, you know, my Einstein, I never use that thing at full power. Unless I'm mm-hmm. outside in the daytime or whatever it is, you know, the the idea that I can do a lot of my work with a four double A battery powered speed light, you know, um, because I just I work differently than he does because of the way I learned how to work and because I choose to work and because I'm using tech that can run at higher sensitivities or whatever it is. And my stuff looks more like people from, you know, like I love William coupon and I love like nineties uh, and early two thousands, Annie Leibovitz. And I love, you know, whatever it is. So, so you, you could never shoot like, Oh yeah. Who's some new crazy guy know. that I can't even think of Ryan McGinley. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Or, or I know, just somebody right. like that. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, it's like that, that I just don't see the world that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And that there will be a guy five, six, eight years down the road or some kid in high school or college right now, who's going to make McGinley feel like I feel when I look at McGinley or whatever. Right. 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 You know, and that, 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 that's just the way it is that like we get sort of baked into s- some sort of view of the world. Which is it's why, all, yeah, which it's is it's why like there's aesthetic. Almost. Yeah. Which is why, yeah. uh, you know, that's, Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I was, uh, what do you, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I always have to spell how to, how to spell that. Um, which is why, you know, like, uh, who's the guy in the, in the group who's, uh, always, uh, the, the old school guy, Craig B, uh, Craig B. Yeah. Craig B film, film guy. Big film guy, black and white, you know what I mean? Like he's he's hardcore because that's how that's it's baked into him that that's what it means for him photography, you know? So I wonder it, is it harder to adapt? Is it harder to change that if it's if it's if it's almost part of your DNA? I mean, if you if you were up for that kind of a job where where it was a completely different aesthetic than yeah. well than they wouldn't is- hire me they'd hire the guy who looks like that but they right. but the question is is if the the stuff there's so there's like different sort of uh eras of a photographer's life maybe there's an era where he's hip and on the edge in the new thing right mm-hmm. and then maybe there's the section in the middle where it's like they are the reliable guy who's going to give us what we know we want from him you know like we know what we know what for example we know what wadman does and we want that and we're going to hire that because it's what we need to speak to a larger thing and not just 18 to 24 year olds or whatever. Okay. But you see what I'm trying to say devil's advocate. Yep. 
it doesn't give Wadman any impetus to go in any different direction. No, no, no. I, well, let me finish my thing. Okay. But, but 15 years from now, maybe the look that I do, and I'm just using me as a general example just to make sure, it sure. easy. Uh, maybe the, the, th- the pictures that I take won't be useful at all to anybody. And, you know, McGinley will be the guy who's in the middle, who's like the thing who speaks right, to everyone. Right. There, you know what I'm saying? Like, You're further down the bell curve at that point. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, it's like we're all on a people mover. Mm-hmm. And we are where we are in order on the people mover, but it keeps moving. So, you know, McGinley's always behind me. Uh, so can you, can Trev you Kov is always in front of me, but I'm never, I don't know. That's what, that's my question is like, I wonder if that's really baked in or, or and, and if that's okay, maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe that's the way it's always been in any sort of thing. It's the same way with, let's say, uh, computer science. Guys who started coding in the 70s code differently than guys who started coding in the 90s. Right. They just see the world differently. You know, they structure things differently. Uh, so is, is, that ability, is that ability to sidestep on the people mover, is, is that what gives us the Bowies, the Freddie Mercury's, the Picasso's, the, you know, whatever? Yeah, I, I wonder if what they're doing is if they're actually moving along the people mover or... If they happen to be in the right order from the beginning, you know what I mean? Mm. Like that. Mm -hmm. They're just catching the wave. Interesting. Do you have, is this make any sense to you? Some of it. I'm just playing with it. I just, it's like, I was thinking about it last night. I Uh, mean, it, it, look, it's, it's, it's a, if that is the case, it's a little depressing. Yes. And that's what I was, that's what I've been thinking about lately. I don't tend to think that you, I don't think you are where you are always. I think you are where you choose to be. Okay. Well, that yeah, you you right, and that and that's and that's a story that you like because it it empowers you. Yes. We, but we but we, but it's almost impossible to prove that either one of these things is true. Absolutely. These Absolutely. are these are just these are these are philosophical questions yeah. more than they yeah, are and, whatever. And, and even in hindsight, you can't prove them. You just have one example. Yeah. You have anecdotal evidence. Yes, and, and, and for, for one side or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, I was sitting there with these with these uh, people yesterday, and I was like, oh, my God. I don't feel like when I was 32, I kind of talked like I do now, and these people all talk differently than me. Is that just because they have different DNA in their brains? You know what I mean? Like, not actual biological DNA, but, like, different do, cultural do, DNA? Yeah. And and is that – I don't know. It just – it, like, got me thinking about – whether whether I I whether whether it's right to fight to be to constantly be on the cutting edge to always try to be to use the vernacular younger than you are, you know, or if the opposite of that is to embrace who you who 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 you are and sort of try to go the furthest with that, you know what I mean? Um, I think one is more genuine and and honest than the other. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 does you know does that equate to success, happiness, meaning getting back to the beginning? Mhm. You know, I don't know. I I find the most personally, I find the most meaning being true to me. Yes. Now, could I could I get back into uh, the design game and go make a a, a six-figure salary 
as an art director or uh, you sure know an you ACD could. or something? Yeah. Sure, I probably could. Yeah. But even at the same time, I mean, using that example, like you and I both lived in that world. Could I go back and do that stuff? Sure. Could you go back and do that stuff? Sure. But you know what? There's kids 15, 20 years younger than you who have a very different aesthetic than you do. Absolutely. And it may be that that aesthetic is what's in now, and they're not interested in the kind of stuff that we would yeah. make. I, I, you know, there, there's, a, there's a guy that, that uh, uh, my friend Jeff and I used to have this, this thing where we would, uh, <laughs> it was called the nuts wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've talked about this. And we've talked about that yeah. a little bit. And the, the first guy that we put on the nuts wall was uh, uh, Bradley Monkowitz, who goes by the name G-Monk. Okay. And if you've ever seen any of G-Monk's design work, uh, like lately he did uh, uh, all of the displays and computer displays and, and, and vehicle de- uh, uh, um, uh panels for that movie oblivion yep yep uh he did uh all the computer displays in tron he did uh, you know so he's got a very specific type of sort of modernist uh interface aesthetic yes yes okay although when you look at those things are they really actually usable or do they just look cool in movies immaterial doesn't have anything to do with the point yeah The, the point is i couldn't see that work i couldn't design that work if you gave me all the time in the world and, and all the gold, you know, I yep, couldn't yep. do it yeah. because I don't see that way. And at the, but at the same time, you know what, 10 years from now, people are going to be like, Oh, that looks like G monk stuff. That's so old looking. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. It just will, you know? And, 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 and so it's like, is that, that's not his fault. That's just cultural culture shifting underneath him. Right. He's doing what he's doing. Right. You know, uh, Scorsese directs movies the way Scorsese directs movies, not because, you know, it's in vogue or it's yep. out of vogue. It's just the way he does yeah. it. And and while it's excellent and it's very good, it's not cutting edge movie making. Right. And that's OK because he's Scorsese and whatever it is. But there will be a certain point where this, you know, I, you know, Andy Anatko actually talked about this on the Notco Almanac this week, I guess yesterday. He was talking about how uh, three camera s- sitcoms, mm-hmm. like things like the Big Bang, Big Bang Theory, sort of still shot that way, um, versus sort of Modern Family, where it's one camera just like swooping around. You know what I mean? Right, Trying to right, catch right. whoever it is. More of a documentary type style. Yeah. And that people are just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that these three camera comedies or whatever it is. It's because we're in the age of the one camera comedy. But there will be a time when one camera feels weird and people will be like, why can't we do something more by having another camera over there? And it'll switch to a two camera thing will be big for a while. Or maybe it'll go back to three cameras, you know, that 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 we just happen to be in the moment in the same way that getting back to Apple again, you know, oh, curvy is in and that's what it is. Well, you know what? Last year you said that square was in. Right. right. Last year you said that this width was perfect for the human hand. But now you're telling me that you're making bigger ones because that's more perfect for the human hand. I don't think you, this word means what you think it means, you yeah. know, or, 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 you know, titanium <laughs> nice. is so much better than aluminum because blah, 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 blah. Oh, whoops. Uh, three years later, aluminum is better than, you right, know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like it's, it's always, there's always like this shift right now, whether or not to use my parlance, that's all just marketing mumbo jumbo across the board. You know what I mean? That, 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 that there's some, there's some giant, there's some group of people in a room somewhere making these decisions about like which direction culture is going to go. 
who, you know, who knows or everyone's, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really weird to me. And it just, it gets me thinking about not only the kind of pictures that I take, but like how, how a, the arc of a career mm-hmm. and the arc that a career is supposed to take, you know, like, I mean, I'm at a slight, me personally, I'm at a slight disadvantage because I started in my early thirties. Sure. Right? I didn't start when I was 18. Well, okay. You, you're, you're at, you're at, if I may, yeah. you're at, Two slight disadvantages. One, yes, what you just said. But yep. the other thing is this is – because this is also your career, yep. not just your passion, yep. it has to be something else. Uh, yes, yes. It has, it has to be inherently more successful on a financial front because this is the way because I've chosen. Yes. But I, but I've made that thing because I've re I realized in much the same way that you did that I didn't like working for some other guy. Right. 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 Again, not, not, I, really I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm willing to, I'm willing to take on that extra responsibility because would you the make alternative, different, would, would I make, different, make different choices different, if I was yeah. independently wealthy? Would I take different yes. pictures or something? Yes. I don't think I would take different pictures. Um, I think I would take the same pictures. I think I would have a little more freedom to, you know, oh, I, I need to, I want to take a picture at this restaurant. So I'm going to buy out this restaurant for the night. You know what I mean? Like you could do those kinds of crazy things right. where now logistically you have to work around stuff. So but you know, do you think your aesthetic would be different if you, if you weren't tied to the tied to com- commerce? Yes. No, I don't think it would be. Okay. Which, which is which is why I'm all right with which is why I feel good about the work that I do do because I I still like the work that I do so I'm okay with that like you know always improving always all that stuff sure but like I'm it's not I'm not looking at my work saying God if I if only I didn't have to do this terrible whatever it's like I'm fine doing the work that I do I like doing it um so but yeah but it's it's just interesting just seeing like even at even at age 39 or I'll turn 40 in January. Am I, am I all, am I over the hill already? Because there's already 20 years of people on one side of me, but then at the same time, there's 20 years of photographers on the other side of me, all, all pre, uh, retirement if they ever retire, you know? Right. Right. And many of those guys are way worse off than me in my experience, you know? Like they're having a really hard time too. Cause just like the market's changed. It's like, if you never had to, you know, look for work because your phone was always ringing off the hook and all of a sudden it stops ringing off the hook because the world changed. Like that's even that, a scarier that's a place. That's set that you didn't develop. That's way more terrifying than where I am. You know what <laughs> I mean? Especially if the kind of work that you do isn't terribly in vogue right now for right. whatever, you know, stylistic reasons. Sure, sure. It's So it's, 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 I don't know, it's just interesting. This whole generational thing is, I don't know. People write in, tell me if I'm crazy. I think it's interesting, but. I, I think you're crazy. Thank you. But that's just me. <laughs> All right. We got lots of stuff to talk about. Where are we going? Uh, interesting article on Slate. We've talked about this, Reddit, this yep. idea of, of, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's kind of 10,000 hour rule and, and does practice make perfect? And, and can, can you practice your way to Mozart? Uh, spoiler, no. Um, and and I, I, there was an interesting article, like I said, on Slate about the sort of science behind practice does not make perfect. And that's what the article is, is, is titled. Uh, and, and they go across a bunch of different uh, genres from athletics to, to chess, to creativity. Uh, and, and 
seemingly have found that that practice can play very little as a role uh, in in terms of of capability. I think that I think that it's 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 one of many elements that are involved, you know. Um, but even in the Gladwell stuff, he's not talking about any guy on the street picking up a violin and playing for X amount of hours. It's it's people who were already at this elite school, so they had a certain amount of talent or interested in anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there's a certain isn't there a certain level of um, if you're interested in, for example, I can't draw to save my life. I can't sketch. Right. Um, I know people who are incredible, like, you know, photorealistic sketch artists with a, you know, a crayon and a piece of paper. Um, I just don't have that. Never have. Don't see the world that way. But I'm also not really interested in doing that because partially because I'm not very good at it. So I think that we tend to, while this article, uh, while I understand a lot of the points of this article, I also understand the sense that you wouldn't be doing it unless you were interested in doing it. And you probably wouldn't be interested in doing it unless you kind of had some sort of aptitude towards it. Maybe, you know, maybe, I mean, look, look, there are people that can just play piano. Yes, but they, but you know, there are people that can just, can just, you know, handle numbers. There are people that can play chess. There are people that, you know, but a lot of those people don't end up actually being greats in their field. Because, you know, in Outliers, which is the same book that he did 10,000 Hours, he talks about the guy who has the highest IQ ever recorded, and he works as a bouncer at a bar. Right. So, so... Right. Okay, that, but doesn't that make the point? He didn't practice his way to that. No, he didn't, but he's also not using it for anything. So there's right. like, there's both sides of it, right? Um, I think that, I think that, you know, when, when, was it, uh... Mr. Perello or somebody else was talking about somebody was talking to Dan Winters and they were just like, you know, how did you get so good? And he's just like, I worked my ass off and thought about photography every waking moment for 10 years or whatever. Right. You know, because like that's, well, certainly there are going to be exceptions, but like when they're talking about this kid in the article, 13 year old kid, the chess player. Yeah. Defeated uh, Karpov, uh, you know, at 13, you, you just, sure you didn't practice your way there. No, of course. And there are, look, there are always savants at all kinds of things, but there are also people who worked really hard at all kinds of things. You know, um, I think that there are both, you know, uh, you, you, you like the myth of the Mozart versus Salieri where it's like Salieri. Yeah, he was all right, but like, he's never going to be Mozart cause he was never Mozart to begin with. True. Yeah. Um, where, you know, I see that too, but I also see a number of composers and artists and things who worked really hard at it. You know, uh, uh, Matisse apparently worked really hard at it. He wasn't Picasso. He didn't have the Picasso, you know, instant talent for it, but he worked really hard and he's, you know, in museums right next to Picasso. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, you know, I, while, while I think this is true, I, you know, I think that there's a certain amount of, uh, hope and work and, and, and living your life and, and trying to improve on stuff. I mean, if it's all comes down Look, to, what, it's, if it all comes not, down to the genes you're born with, why bother doing anything? Well, it's not to say that you can't improve, you know, it's yeah. like the, the, the Stephen King book, you know, uh, uh, right. you, you can, you can learn to be good, yeah. but you, you can't learn to be brilliant. 
You either are or you True. aren't. Right. Like I don't have perfect pitch. I can't train myself to have perfect pitch. No. But there are a lot of great musicians who don't have perfect pitch. You know. So I think that I think that uh, I think that you are I think that you you're right in 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 the sense that yeah, okay, it's not it's practice isn't everything, but neither is talent because there's a lot of talented people who never use their talent. You know. But the talent is there whether they use it or not. And that's the, that's the point I'm trying to make is it that ability is there. They sure. don't practice their way to okay. that ability. My, my, it's just genetic. It's I, there. I, I have a friend who actually does have perfect pitch and uh, he's a, he's, he sits on the subway and he writes full scores out. You know, he's, he's like one of those guys, my friend, Frank right. Piccarazzi. Okay. Uh, but he didn't practice his way there. He didn't practice with perfect pitch, but he can write music down because he learned how to do all the other things you need to do. Once you have the talent, mm-hmm. you know, his, his brother, who I've met a handful of times at parties and things, apparently, according to Frank, he's just like, I think my brother has better pitch than I do. His brother's never taken a music class in his entire life. So it's like his brother has that, but isn't using it. So what difference does it mean matter that he has it or he doesn't have it? If he's not making, if he's not adding anything to the, to the, if he's not adding bricks to the wall, big deal that he's a great bricklayer. But that's not the point. The, 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 the point is that, that telling, telling your kid that you can be anything you want to be is a fallacy. Yes. Okay, so who decides what somebody can and cannot be? You have to decide what you can and can't okay. be. Well, then, then you're sort of back to where you are because, I mean, then, then, then what difference does it make? I mean, like, so you try something. If you're not that good at it, well, maybe you have to do something else, you know? Um, anyway, interesting article. It is an interesting article. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, which uh, are available at, uh, five by five dot TV slash OTP slash one, two, eight, one, two, eight. What do you, what do you think of this Richard Prince thing? Uh, you know, I looked at this this morning. Okay. So Richard Prince, uh, uh, famously has, has, uh, let's say borrowed work from other people, uh, embellished upon it and passed it off as his own. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, sure. Uh, the, the cowboy ads where he, he took uh, uh, cowboys from Marlboro ads and composited them into new scenes, and, and that, was, that was his final product. It's art. Yeah. Uh, so his new project uh, is, is a collaboration, and I'm using that in quotes, uh, or inverted commas for Carl Taylor. Um, has collaborated with Instagram users and basically is taking, he's curating Instagram. Right. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. And charging $40,000 for each print. <laughs> is, is that, is, is that, I hate using art, but is it art? This is, I think this what is. What do you think of this? I think this is one of those things where some galleries just like, Hey, uh, Instagram and, and whatever it is. And we're going to get lots of press if we stick up something that has to do with social media and this okay. guy who's famous for this other stuff. So, so you see this as, as sort of a hype beast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, this is kind of like that thing I saw at MoMA that time where the guy sent out letters to all these people like in Ukraine and said, um, I remember you send saying, me your undeveloped yeah. film. And then he yep. had it processed and he sent it back to him, but like he got to use the pictures for whatever. And so he made this slideshow of like 80 pictures that were just shots that he chose from hundreds or thousands of people who sent him undeveloped rolls of film. And I was like, 
okay. Like, you know what? Send me 600 rolls of film from random people and I could pull out 80 shots that are interesting too. Like, so are you an artist or are you a curator or are you just, you know, could a computer have done this job and made it look like this, you know? Um, yeah, this is kind of similar, right? It's like, well, well, it is, it is. It, it, there's so this is almost more conceptual than it is craft, right? I think so. And, and one of the things that they point out in the article here, which again we'll put it in the show notes, uh, what's most compelling about Prince's new show is neither the expense nor the simplicity nor the matter of appropriation. Instead, <laughs> it's his comments, stalkerish, awkwardly sexual, often nonsensical comments written under the username Richard Prince Four. And the comments are often baffling. They include awkward, morose sentences, quote, I wish I could have fun. Borderline creepy commentary, quote, T-shirt, bathing suit, nice. Let's hook up next week. Lunch, smiles, R. Is he, is Barely he, coherent. Is he huh, best buddies with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, what's Terry. His name? Oh, Richardson, yeah. Uh, barely coherent. Jeez, uh, to be dare... ID quiet. I'm sure you nut schmoo friend showerhead emoji. And sometimes the comments are completely perplexingly ordinary. Digging the Sunday look. Richard Prince writes on one man's selfie. These are what drive the viewer toward the surface of the canvas. The usually temporal act online interaction is, is translated and splayed onto a physical object. So this is really odd to me. Oh yeah, yeah, there they are. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I just sent Jeffrey a picture yeah, yeah. of Terry and this guy. Um, yeah, I, you know, look, Gauche Galleries, it's, you know, these are fancy people. But I think that this is hype because this is the latest thing by a guy who is known. Yeah, this this strikes me as as more of of this is what you should be interested in, not for anything other than itself. Yes, absolutely. It, 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 you know, are we going to look back on this 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now? Probably not. No, I don't think so. So it, it, it strikes me as a bit of a land grab. Yeah. And this is not surprising, right? No, Uh, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is the hype of the art world. Yeah. It's, it's sort of art for controversy. Yeah. It's art for press. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like the people who. You know, you won't believe what Kim Kardashian's butt did today. And it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't, uh, what, how yeah. does this, yeah. this, this is above the Ebola story. You know, yeah. like if, this if, is insane. If the Globe or the Weekly World News were curating an art gallery, this is what they would put in. Oh God, it's so stupid. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, we so should, we'll put a link. We should talk about our sponsor. Uh, a new sponsor. New sponsor. New sponsor. Are you excited for hey, this one? I'm, ex- you know I'm a little Can excited for this one. I, I met Linda. You did. In, I did. In 2001. Well, what's her last name? I don't know. Okay. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I bought, I had one of her design books in the 90s, right? That's like a thing. Yes. She has many books. Okay. So. Linda Weinman. Uh, I, I met her at Flash Forward in San Francisco. She has short hair or long hair at the time? Short. Okay. Sweetest woman you could ever meet. And, uh, and I mean, like you know, she, she was blowing up then and she was just really sweet. Now, it, this was a great conference in, in this conference. Uh, I met and spoke to, to Josh Davis, who is an incredible designer. Yeah. Love Joshua Davis. Uh, and, uh, the late Hillman Curtis, who was kind enough to spend uh, a few minutes talking to me, who was an amazing person. Oh, you were, uh, you were all in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was. He, I I caught him on the way to something, and and he he was going from one panel to another, and and I happened to see him, and and you know he he stood there and talked to me for about ten minutes and signed my book, and he was very sweet. Um, but yeah, Linda was really cool. She was really cool. I, you know, so look, we how many emails do we get from people or questions? Oh, you know. How do you learn how to do Photoshop, this, that, and the other thing? How do you learn how to compose a compositor, colored coat, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, right. HP. Yeah. Build like, your website, yeah, whatever like, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable in Lightroom, but I'm terrified of Photoshop. Where do I start? You know, yep. we get that all the time. Yep. Uh, look, lynda.com, who's our sponsor today, is, is, a, is a good place to go for that. Look, it's easy, affordable way to learn, uh, to help individuals learn. You can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, and more. And I'm sure that all the photography things on here would 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 be right up our alley for our for our listeners. Okay, um, there are 461 courses in photography on Lynda.com. Yeah, 22,000 plus video tutorials. Yeah, Lynda.com. I think, I think they got you covered. Yeah, Lynda.com <laughs> works directly with industry experts, software companies uh, to provide timely training. Often the same day new versions or releases hit the market, so you're always up to speed. So, hey, the new version of Final Cut comes out. You want to know how to use it because you're used to 7 and you want to learn 10? You go to Linda. Right. Uh, all courses are produced at the highest level quality. These aren't homemade videos that are up on YouTube by people who are just like, and then I pulled in, you pull in the picture of the, of the cat yeah. and, and no. you go I mean, up to these the are, menu. The, no, no. These yeah. are big folks. I mean, you're, you're Absolutely. Julian yeah. Cost. Deke McClelland, yeah. Chris Orwig. Uh, oh, oh, little guy called Burt Monroy. Burt Monroy? Yeah. I love Burt Monroy. Yeah. Uh, and look, courses are broken into bite-sized pieces, so you can learn at your own pace. You can learn from start to finish, or you can just jump in for a quick answer. You don't have to, like, watch the whole uh, course just to get an answer. You could just go find the video that has that thing and, look, you know, go straight towards it. Uh, they got searchable transcripts, which is awesome. So you just want to find every time people say, you know, uh, channels palette, you can go look that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, they got playlists, certificates for course completion. So, you know, you could even do it for training and you can publish your training to your LinkedIn profile. So you could say, you know, I know I've taken this course on, you know, uh, after effects or whatever it is, if you want to get a job. Right. Um, whether you're a beginner or advanced, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels. Uh, you can learn when you're on the go. They've got iPhone, iPad, and Android apps. And uh, one low price of $25 uh, gives you unlimited access to 100,000 video tutorials. It's crazy. Uh, it's, it's, it is crazy. Yeah. And, it, and it's, 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 I mean, look. It's learning for the future. Yeah. And, and at, at that price, you can go, well, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to need to know video editing or yeah. after effects yeah. or motion graphics, but I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Premium members with an annual plan can download their courses to their iPhone, iPads, or Androids and watch them offline, uh, which is awesome. Uh, premium plan members can also download project files and practice along with the instructor, which is really cool. You don't need to go to your local college to learn how to use Photoshop and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You go over to Linda. Uh, for any software you rely on, lynda.com can help you stay current with all software updates, learn the ins and outs of the tools to make yourself more efficient and productive. Uh, you know, this is this is really good stuff. And again, for those of you out there who are into the photography but haven't really uh, dug deep into the, the software side of things, like this is a great place to go. Um, They've got business as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not, it's not just the creative stuff. No. It's, it, you know, how, let's see how many, 24,000 video tutorials relating to business. Whew. 
How many of those? You know, 10,000 3D. <laughs> yeah, right. 17,000 plus. You know what? There's, a, there's yeah. something that I would take. I would take a course in, say, 3D Studio Max or Maya or something like that. You know? Like, show yes. me some stuff in that. Like, you know, stuff I don't know. Or or what's the, what's the one that people use on Max all the time now? Cinema 4D. Cinema 4D, you know? Yep. Uh, so we've worked out a great deal with lynda.com to provide you a special offer access to courses for free for seven days. So you can go check it out. Uh, visit lynda.com slash OTP to try out Linda free for seven days. And uh, thank you very much to Linda for supporting five by five and on taking pictures. We're very happy and proud to have them as a sponsor. Hi Linda. We've been trying to get these guys uh, to be a sponsor for a while. So we're, we're psyched to have them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, they, 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 there's a ton of stuff here, man. I know. 21,000 plus web design tutorials man it's a, it's you can spend your whole life just it's a full-time job watching linda just, just watching linda tutorials that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right what else we got on here we got okay this is a couple weeks old uh but what's what so what's going on the u.s forest what? service is saying that you can't go take pictures on okay, public they, land yeah. They tried this. They 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 were going to fine you a thousand dollars and force you to get a permit for profess, professional use. Uh, but but they what have was since, the argument that that people were unsafe on the land that they were like or that it was was this just a money grab because there can't be that many photographers going out on the land. That it worth seems the, like it was just a money grab. See, that's weird to me. But you know, apparently unconstitutional, so it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's our freaking land, people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like we own it. Shut up. <laughs> uh, now, I, non-professional use is is OK. Professional use, apparently you still need permits and, and things like that, which, OK, fine. I understand that. But, you know, some guy out with his with his family or girl out with their family taking pictures, you, you've got to get a permit for that. Silly. Yeah. The, you know, the world has really gotten I found now I sound like you. The world has gotten. <laughs> uh a little off the, off the reservation when it comes to this stuff. It's like, come on. You yeah. Know? It's like taking pictures in the city. You can't take a picture of the front of this building. I'm like, yes, I can. Shut up. I can take pictures of whatever the hell I want, you know? Uh, you know what? We I was with Ibarrio and X Perello, uh in, L, in downtown L.A., and we got chased away from the Palace Theater. Saying you couldn't take pictures in front of it? Yep. I, I don't think that's true. Because they – oh, and, and the, the can, neon maybe you signs can't use up the them. block – Really? Yeah. See, See th- here's the problem. I can understand you couldn't use them in an ad or something and like that that's commercially. The point. Yeah, I can. I, I can take the picture. I just can't use the picture commercially. Right, but you could but use you, it for artistic purposes. You could put sure. it on your own wall. Sure. Like that's what's so stupid about it. You know, you could use it for newsmaking stuff. You just can't use it for an ad. Right. It's so stupid. I hate that kind of stuff. So yeah, the great the U.S. Forest Service wants to play that too. Ugh. But in the good news category, Amtrak is doing a writer's residence. You said they've been doing this for a while. Uh, they 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 announced it late last year, um, and they gave out a few of them. But now it seems like it's an actual program. So what it's is the idea that they're going to give basically a thousand dollars worth of train tickets? Yes, to twenty four different people to basically you know ride across the country and write something, sort of a public art project. Uh, sort of also yeah. getting good press for well, yeah i was gonna say while also building press for amtrak sure, sure. okay so what's uh, the downside here how much is this costing americans i can't imagine it's costing two, americans. Or, th- two or two or three uh military wrenches 
Yeah. Is it, is it taxpayer or is Amtrak funding it? I don't think. Well, yeah, but Amtrak is partially subsidized by the government still, I think, isn't it? Did they stop doing that? Okay. Uh, nobody really loses except the senators who wrote in to complain that the residency program was a waste of Amtrak government subsidy. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But $22,000, that's that's what, that's probably what a single wheel costs on one of those trains. Okay. I remember there, there was a, uh, Cosmos, the first Cosmos. Okay. The, the best Cosmos with Carl Sagan. Yeah. The real, the real, real Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This was okay. So back then, uh, the Voyager program, uh, Carl said cost a penny per world for every human being on planet earth. Yep. That was the cost of it. And we, we embraced that. So, so why? Well, there were people even then who were complaining about, there were people who complained about the, about the Apollo program saying we were wasting money when people were starving on earth and whatever it is. So there's always people who are going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, but there's also a sense of like, look, we can't spend, not spend money necessarily, but we can't like spend our lives just thinking about base stuff all the time. Like we have no. to do something that makes life meaningful getting back to the beginning. And you know what? Well, makes- and, and the, the program is 22,000. Yeah. That's not what, what the government is subsidizing. They're subsidizing a portion of that. So yeah. Jeffrey, look what- at how, look how much art in, uh, during all the stuff we've talked about with uh, Dorothea Lang, like all the WPA art. And, right. And look at all the roads and paths in national parks that were built by CCC. Yes. What about, you know, all, uh, the National Endowment for the Arts, like it or hate it, like the amount of stuff they've supported over the years. The, the fact that other countries give 10 or 50 times more money to artists because they understand that art and culture are important parts of what it means to be of a certain place, you know, um, yeah. $22,000 for these people to write. And they had 16,000 applicants applying yeah. for these 24 spots. And, okay. And here's the thing. What if let's, let's, let's go out way on a limb. Yeah. What if the next great American novel comes out of this? Yeah, exactly. What, it's, what, you know, what if something that, that, that becomes a standard in school, classrooms in the future comes out of this program. It's incredible. Isn't that worth it? It's absolutely, it's incredibly short-sighted and stupid. It's like, this is, this is why, I don't know. It's just, it, this kind of stuff drives me crazy. It's like, there are 16,000 people who wanted 24 spots to ride across the country. This is not like some cushy thing. These people are doing, you know what I mean? Yes. You know, this is these people like fighting, to try to become artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's, it's just, it's just crazy to me that this is a, that this is even a political thing. I think it's yeah. pretty cool. Actually. I, I put it, too. I put it originally, I put it in the, into the, to the list just because I think it's a really great, I don't know. I just, I feel like this is the kind of stuff, you know, we get into all this stuff that government can do and government can't do. And you know what? Government can't fix the world, can't do whatever it is. But it can do little things like, you know what? We should all invest in culture a little bit. Not mm-hmm. a lot. $22,000 a year. You know how much the budget for <laughs> for Amtrak is, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, let me, let's see. Amtrak budget fiscal year 2014 is... Uh, what do you got? Oh, it's a PDF, so this is going to be annoying. Let's see. Come on, give me give me a real number. Um, one point six two billion dollars in they're requesting one point six two billion dollars in capital funding from the government. 
So that's just what the government is giving is one, one and a half billion dollars, you know? So it's like, what is $22,000? So you're right. Something that could end up, how many people will read whatever they write and go, wow, that's really great. And this is part of what it means to be Americans, you know? Right. Right. You know, how many, how many things were, I don't know. I just, whatever. It's just, it's fuzzy math. Yeah. Or short-sighted, just silly. Yeah, both. Uh, hey, so I put this, This speaking of, of art, uh, there's an exhibit, this is a Washington Post article about uh, a guy who made a, he, he's a South African, a white South African artist okay. who made a show, put up a show called Exhibit B in London, um, where he basically recreated Victorian uh, human zoos where they would bring in some guy from some tribe in Africa and put him in a box and let people gawk at him. It was a Victorian thing, right? Okay. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not making any sort of judgment on it. It's like, you know, but he is sort of, he's making a point by recreating something that was from the Victorian times to say how messed up Victorian times were. I think it's kind of part of what the art is. It was a commentary or was meant to be a commentary. I don't know. I haven't read his thing, but I'm sure it was. I mean, I don't think it makes any sense otherwise. You know, um, and people sort of went out of their minds, you know, that saying that it was racist, that, you know, uh, that, 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 uh, it was a mostly black crowd accused the art space and the creator Brett Bailey of racism and all the rest of it. Right. What, what I find interesting is just how, how all of these things change depending on the way you see a particular piece of art, right? Mm -hmm. If, if, if it was a black African artist doing the same exact thing, you could write about how it was a cultural thing and bringing up, you know, racism, whatever it is like that, that, that the same thing done by a different artist would have a completely different slant on it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And be perceived by the public as a completely different thing. You know, as somebody said in the article, they're just like, wait, I don't understand. So a white artist isn't allowed to make commentary on racism. Right. That also well, is the, crazy. The, the, yeah. is, 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 is our men or are, are, are women not able to make art about, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, uh, men in society because they're not men or vice versa. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is, it's, it's just interesting. Sorry. I cut you off. Well, no, it's okay. There's a, a theater director, uh, Nadia Latif. Uh, yep. By the way, these people in the in the cages are actors who are being paid. This is right. not, you know. Um, let's see. Uh, she had this to say. Uh, she directly challenged the protesters' assertions that Bailey's work was racist. Yep. Uh, and she writes, we all know that racism in various shapes, sizes, and disguises is still rife in every corner of the world. True. And that the scars of slavery are very real. But... So does Brett Bailey. So he decided to make a show about it. Are we saying that only certain people have the right to tell certain stories? Are we only allowed to tell stories that lie directly within our experience, to your point a moment ago? Uh, That sounds like a brilliant way to segregate audience and artists further. Yes. I guess that would mean that no black person could ever tackle Arthur Miller or Edward Bond or Chekhov or Ibsen or, or, or. Are the protesters punishing Brett Bailey for telling the story because he's a white man? Yeah. And I think that that's a pretty good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. See, you know what it is? It's like, uh, I, it's like we're, we're people. There's no way, like ultimately all art and all sort of communications and all understanding, it has to get down to the point where we're just all humans. You're a human. I'm a human. You know, I don't care if you're 
gay, straight, black, white, man, woman, like eventually we need to get down to the point where we're all sort of on the same level before we can have these conversations. Because mm-hmm. if we're all on different platforms, then 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 we're speaking from a different place, you know? Sure. And, sure. and, and there's, is there value in it? Sure. I guess there's value in it. But like over time, I feel like we have to sort of uh, uh, come uh, converge on, on like a larger understanding of humanity, you know, and mm-hmm. yes, people are treated differently in the past. They're still treated differently now, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we need to even analyze things differently based upon who made it, you know, but, but we do, of course. Now, just, you just know. to play the other side, sure. uh, in a petition letter to the Barbican signed by nearly 23,000 people, Sarah Myers, who identifies herself as a black African mother from Birmingham, England yep. wrote, we wish to register our utmost disgust at what we consider to be an outrageous act of complicit racism with the Barbican agreeing to the housing and display of this production. While South African Brett Bailey claims his human zoo vanity project is art, in quotes, just how are we as black Africans supposed to respond to this? We think the response of several of the participants in this project is telling. This is simply an exercise in white racial privilege. If it isn't, then perhaps Bailey can explain why he didn't use white people in his zoo. After all, wouldn't him doing so be more striking and send a different, send a clearer message? Perhaps. But you know what? He didn't choose to do that because he chose to do what he did. <laughs> you make a art project where you stick white people right. in the zoo. And, like, and I, maybe that's in the future. Maybe there's yeah. one in the works. Who knows? Yeah, and maybe it's been done before. I mean, I'm sure this isn't the first time this has been done. I just think, I, you know, yeah, okay, that woman makes a fair point, but so does the other woman. Yeah. The point is that no one got hurt here in this art thing. You know what it does? It brings up this conversation, which is probably exactly what this guy was going for in the first place. Right. You know, in which case his art is very successful. Right. Absolutely. If, if you know, in those circumstances, absolutely. Right. So I don't know. I just, I, I found, I found this pretty interesting. I thought you would find it interesting. Yeah, too. I do actually. Um, Let's talk to him. Yeah. Well, you should uh, send him a thing. A uh, thing? <laughs> You know, one of those uh, emails. Send him a face mail, as my mother says. <laughs> what, do, what do those kids do? Every time my mother calls them face mails. Of course she does. Yeah. Or, or, or I gmailed you and. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> it's really cute. Hi, mom. Um, all right. What else we got? We got we got stuff to go through. What is Adobe brings Photoshop to Chrome. Okay. Did you see this? Uh, I saw it. Okay. So the idea is that basically to go past the marketing blah, blah, blah. Basically, what it, what they're doing is they're virtualizing Photoshop and running it on a server so that you can right. use it anywhere. That's essentially what they're doing. In much yeah. the same way that all those video game companies did that for a while, remember? Yep, yep. Um, didn't work, though. Well, for the video game, it has to be down to, like, you know, sub-millisecond Twitch times and stuff like that, which makes the difference. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, j- look, just as a, as a brief aside, yeah. the new game Shadow of Mordor... Yeah. New Lord of the Rings kind of. Mordor. Yeah. Yeah. 39 gigabyte download. Yeah. <laughs> Going to need some serious pipes for that. Yeah. That's pretty big. Anyway. Um, yeah. The, I, I guess this is, I mean, look, they bought, Adobe bought Aviary earlier, I think earlier this year. Is that one of those companies? A- what does Aviary well, make? Aviary makes uh, uh, image editing software oh, okay. that works yeah. online. Okay. These sort of virtualized Kinds of things. Okay, so maybe they're using their intermediate tech to connect virtual machines running Photoshop with, uh, with with users. 
I just, sounds like it. I, you know, there, I mean, it's interesting in the sense that this would allow people on Linux or Chrome or I'm at my mom's house and I just need Photoshop for 10 minutes. You know, the problem is like, I don't know that I'd work on one of my files that are 3.89 gigabytes online. You know what I mean? Because right. th- that virtual machine probably isn't going to have 32 gigs of RAM connected to it. Uh, well, it might have 32 gigs of RAM alloc- uh, connected to it, but it's not all 32 gigs aren't going to be allocated to you. Right. You, you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I don't think this is the answer for the thing. And now some people might say, well, yeah, this is the beginning of something. And 10 years from now, maybe we'll all be virtual. Yeah, that might be true. You know, maybe the maybe the culture creative suite thing, you know, that ultimately it's all just virtual apps over the net when the net gets fast enough. But right now, the net's not fast enough for that. You know, yeah. I mean, if, um, if everybody's got, you know, hundred, you know, megabyte connections to, you know, fiber connections or something, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the other interesting thing that's happening is, uh, my friend, uh, Craig Ward is over in Adobe world, Photoshop world. What is going okay. on right now? It's in, LA. uh, whatever the big LA, the big Adobe show. Is it Adobe max? Is yes. That what it is? Yeah. There you go. Okay. So he's, okay. he spoke there yesterday or two days ago, yesterday. Um, and it was one of the things they gave him a little Microsoft surface pro three tablet. Okay. Uh, he, he put a picture up on Facebook. That's the only reason I know I'm going to talk to him about it when he gets home. Hey, you know, when they give you that stuff at a conference, you still have to pay the tax on it. Right. As if it's no uh, idea. I think you do. Nobody gives me anything. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and one of the things that they talked about was adding touch features to Photoshop and illustrator, like, uh, on one of these tablets. Yeah. You're using the, uh, the, the, the stylus for, you know, doing retouching, but you can also pinch and zoom to, to, to zoom and that kind of stuff. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently the one for illustrator, it's even better. Cause you don't need to be like absolute pixel perfect all the time on illustrator. You know what I mean? Cause you're like moving uh, handles around and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but do you think, I guess my question is, do you think that it'll ever get to the point where people will ever use things like Photoshop really with touch with their fingers or if that's always just going to be a little bit, it's not accurate enough. I, I feel like it's not accurate enough. I, I feel like the touch, the advantage of a touch interface is in the navigation is in panning, zooming, scrolling, but I don't feel like, like the accuracy is there for painting. Yes. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, yeah. I think there would have to be a different system in place. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, in some ways you could say that using a tablet is sort of a touch interface to Photoshop. You know what I mean? Sure. Sort of a virtualized touch interface. Um, And anybody who's used Photoshop with a mouse and then switched over to a tablet will know, you know, how different it is. You know, this this whole idea of virtualizing Photoshop. Makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? It makes me uncomfortable (laughs) because now my, my work is no longer, it's, it's relegated to the cloud just by the, by the very architecture of this thing, yeah. it's no longer on my machine. Yeah, you know, uh, they were having a discussion about that on uh, This Week in Google last week on Twip. Okay. Uh, where Gina Trapani and Jeff Jarvis were, they were talking about just like having all your stuff on the cloud. And Jeff was just like, I just have all my writing. It's just, it's up there on Google Drive and it's there and I can get to it anywhere and blah, 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 blah. And if they made a way for me to say automatically back it up, sort of do a reverse Dropbox. You know what I mean? Like the, the, so, the canonical so the primary, version is up on the server. Yeah. 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 But okay. I could just make sure that there's always a copy somewhere locally. God forbid Google dies or something. Sure. Sure. Um, that that would be the way to go. And Gina was like, oh, God, it makes me uncomfortable. The idea of having it 
up on a server somewhere. Of course, it's not really on a server. It's on probably 12 different servers, which is actually probably much safer than having it on your hard drive and your computer for 90% of people who don't back up to 12 different places, you know? Uh, yeah. So it, 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 maybe it's just you and I, again, getting back to the generational stuff. Like we just don't think that way. Cause we always had to have stuff on a hard drive next to our monitor. Yeah. Well, there, there, there's an inherent comfort there for me. Yeah. Whether or not it's as reliable, whether or not it's as secure, whether there, there is a comfort in the object there. Yeah. Even if it might be an illusion. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Cause like, what is it really bits on a hard drive? It's just, it's this object, but it's just magnetism on it. You know, that can get destroyed easily too. Uh, yeah. And has, yeah. It's all just so crazy to me. I don't know. Yeah. Check out these articles though. In- interesting. They're, they're two separate articles. There's yep. one on, on the Adobe Chrome project. And then there's another one, uh, also on the verge uh, of uh, making Photoshop better for touchscreen devices. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I, I hate to be a curmudgeon, but like, I mean, they add little things to Photoshop that make my life easier. Like when they added background saving in the last version or whatever it was, like that was a big deal to me just because, you know, they made it non-modal. So you could hit save on one tab and keep working, you know, while it's sure, saved. And that sure, sure. Like stuff like that. But I, it's like, I feel like, Photoshop is kind of, it does what it does and it does it well. And not that it can't be improved, but it's sort of, it's getting to the point where it's polished to the point of, you know, (laughs) you could use it as a mirror. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, I don't know what you can add or subtract to, you know, to change it. That's actually going to make it better. It'll just make it different. You know, it's just a great tool. It's kind of done. Is that wrong for me to say? No. I don't know. I, it just, it, I think it has to be done really, really well. And these types of things are typically not initially, at least implemented really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. True. I, I, I don't think uh, oftentimes that, that, that these things stay in beta quite long enough. True. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Well, that's the thing. I think this is just people messing around with Chromebooks. Although, you know, I, a friend of mine bought a Chromebook and I set it up for a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned it, but, um, I was like, well, you know, you can't do Photoshop, but it's like, well, you know, pretty soon you might be able to do Photoshop, which is kind yeah. of crazy. I mean, th- th- there are a couple things in this, in this demo, this touch demo, particularly at the end of it, uh, with using, using a phone to blend photographs and then sort of, I mean, to blend colors and, and then sort of spattering that color, did you watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting, um, but that's all like very special use kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. that's like somebody showing the the big what was the big Microsoft Surface, the big giant thing that they showed off. Like, oh, look, you can put your phone down here, and it knows your phone is there, and it can grab your contacts. It's like, okay, yeah, it can do that, and that's all very interesting and fun for the lab. But like, who's going to do that? You right. Know? The practicality of it is. Yeah, it's just it, silly. It, it's it gets us back to Goldblum, right? Just, yeah. just because we can doesn't mean we should. Yeah. Really? We're going to Jurassic Park? Come on now. Yeah, but you think you spend so much time thinking about if you can. You never had a question if you should. Yeah. I love um, Jeff Gold. Well, you got to go right for Crichton there, right? Uh, hey, one last little uh, addition. I'm going to put a link in for the Glengarry Bob Ross because I didn't put it in the show notes last week. Oh, well, we didn't talk about it last week. Well, we, we mentioned it on the show because we, right? we were talking yeah. about it. Yeah. I read it to a friend of mine and he was like laughing hysterically. 
It's really funny. It, if you if you're if you know the speech it's referencing, it's extremely funny. Yeah, yeah. If if you if you have seen Glengarry Glen Ross, uh, you know what? Maybe we should. I'll put, put a link the, to that. Yeah, put Baldwin's speech in there. Right. Uh, it, it's really really funny, and we'll just well we won't. A lot of expletives in it, so we can't read it here. But yeah, yeah I'm not going to play are, it. But I'll yeah. I'll put it on this. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, good? yes, I do believe we are good. What's uh? So what's uh? What's the what's the assignment for next week? We or what's, okay. what? How'd last week go? Last week, really fantastic stuff. We got some new people, so welcome new folks to the. Uh, to the group. Yeah, a bunch uh, of people added to the group in the last week. I lots noticed. of yeah, we're at 1236 now. So yeah. welcome all of all of y'all. Um let's see. Last week, transportation. A lot of really cool interpretations of transportation. Okay. Um both from a from kind of a macro level uh to to uh, more of a literal, you know, really interesting. Uh, Andrew, uh, beautiful train tracks along the coast in, in Vancouver, BC. Gorgeous. Uh, Bobby Tingle, some cool stuff. Um, uh, let's see who else. Oh, that's a cool truck. Uh, lots of great stuff. Gary Rosenfeld, cool cars. Um, you know, bikes, skateboards, really interesting, really interesting stuff. Transportation. Transportation. So, so on on the back of of last week and the week before's uh, discussion about about uh, or questions rather about where the the assignments are going to go. I thought we'd we'd you have some ideas for next week, which I think we're going to implement as well. But this week, let's let's do uh, uh, we're going to call it composition number one, and I want you to look for uh, an empty street or an empty highway or an empty stretch of road. No people, no cars in motion. If there are cars on the side, okay, can't, you know, parked, can't do much about that. Right. Uh, but uh, let's see what you can do with an empty road. I, I saw Gone Girl over the weekend. Okay. And uh, my favorite part of the film, uh, the opening titles, because they reminded me of Crudson. They were shot and the light just struck me as very sort of Crudson-esque. Um, in my opinion, not such a great flick, actually. But uh, that's another story. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, I'll wait. I'm not going to say anything story-wise, but uh, it's it's. It, I, I am a big fan of David Fincher, and this is my least favorite of his films. Okay. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so so yeah, long stretches of empty highway or or those those sort of uh, uh, borderline haunting uh, uh, f- forgotten factory towns, um, that kind of thing is is what we want to see. What do you think of that? I think it's a good idea. I think it's going to be tough for me. What do you mean it's going to be tough for you to find an empty road in New York City with no one moving on it? Now, okay, what you could do is a long exposure so you don't see anybody. That's what I'm saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I thought about yeah. it even before you said it. I know you did. Uh, I was actually also considering going down to like the BQE, like one of the highways at like three in the morning. Yeah. So trying to get some pictures like when really no one's around. Yeah. So em- empty, empty streets, empty highway, empty road. All right. Uh, and and uh, composition number one, we'll call that one. Good. More to come. So what do you got for photographer of the week? You found something pretty cool here. Okay. Well, uh, so this, uh, this, okay. This guy's picture had been making the rounds 
uh, in the sense that he did, there's an article in the New York times where he shot uh, a bunch of sisters. I think it was his wife and okay. her and her sisters uh, back in like 1975 and has been shooting them every year since. Right. So you can see pictures of the four sisters as they age over time. Um, and 40 now, portraits in 40 years is yeah. what it's called. So particular. what's interesting about this is that, yes, this is very cool. And it was on, it was on like HuffPo and it, all those stupid link sharing things. It's, you know, it was everywhere in the last couple of weeks. Um, but my friend Alex brought it up yesterday cause he used to know the guy who was a fairly, uh, was, was an accomplished professional photographer anyway. Okay. You know? So I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, per our conversations all the time about how, it's all about some project that gets you into social media and people notice you that way. It's like, well, you know, this guy had been around for a long time before that. He's been having right. books out since 1983. Nicholas you know. Nixon, by the way, Nicholas Nixon. I was going to get to that. Yeah, um, okay. So uh, he's, he's a, he's an eight by 10 view camera guy. Uh, he teaches at mass art, uh, which is up, uh, up in Boston. Um, he's shown at, at, at MoMA, at, at Harvard's uh, Fog Art Museum, Cincinnati Art Museum, uh, all, all the National Gallery. Uh, he's been, he's born in 1947. So he's around, what is that? Like, uh, 66, something like that. 67. Okay. Um, and you know, and he, he teaches and there's a really good interview that I found. So not only is there the really cool 40 portraits of 40 years, which, uh, we'll link to, you can go see them. By the way, what do you what do you think of those? Do you think if you were going to do it, you would you would do it differently or the same as him, or would you take the same exact shot each year because he he mixed it up? You know what I nope, mean? No, I don't like the exact same shot. I like right. I like the way he did it quite a bit, and Me it too. gets us back to the very top of the show. This meant something to him. Yep. Yeah, it didn't mean something to the world. He didn't do this so forty years later he would be on the no. New York Times. No, he did this because it meant something to him. Yep. Years later, it's now meant something to the world. Interestingly enough, I bet you, I mean, there have been a few examples of people, oh, I took self-portraits for 10 years or whatever it is. Right. There must be tons of people who have done this, taking the same picture of their family. This is not a new idea. No. I think it's very well done. No, Uh, he he did it really well. I'm just saying that it's not like, it's funny, like articles, a lot of times people are like, look at this, what this guy did. It's like, you know what? Lots of families take the same picture of their family every year for years, you know? Right, right. so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. And his work is really good otherwise. And there was a, there's a, a, a great interview that I found, um, on a horn magazine. Uh, Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. In an interview with Nicholas Nixon. Yeah. Where, where they're talking about him getting interested in photography. Uh, apparently he, he did, he got into photography. He took a photography class his senior year, uh, at university of Michigan where he was there as an English major and he just got really into the photography. Um, he, he, you know, he, he loves using, he's saying that, that, that photography is much more valued today than it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. He says here, uh, when I began, one was a lone artist, a few hundred people knew who Walker Evans was in 1970, but there was no real support for him as an artist. Ansel Adams popularity and timely death were huge in the acceleration of art photography's blooming in the late seventies. So it's, it's interesting that he's lived through a period of time when photography wasn't you know, all these people we think of as pillars of photography, you know, even, even, uh, the Americans and, you know, like he was saying, uh, Walker Evans or, you know, uh, or, or Saul Leiter, the classic OTP drink. Um, right. You, you know, are, are, they weren't who they are now back then. It's just, it's, it's the way society perceives them right. has changed. 
And that's fascinating. It is. Because it could easily go in the other direction again. Or maybe that was the blooming of this art. And so those people who no one cared about before suddenly became icons. But couldn't you make that argument about about uh, most artists? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they didn't make money during their lifetimes. It was only yep. posthumously or or very late in their careers yeah, that yeah, they yeah. started making money. Or it had nothing to do with the art. I was listening mm-hmm. to a, a quick aside. I was listening to. Did you listen to Radio Lab this week? Yeah, and they played the stuff from the composer. Uh, uh yeah. The, oh, geez. What the hell's his name? Uh, Adams, uh, John something, John Lee Adams, something like that. Hold on, I'm. I'm I think that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, this guy won a Pulitzer Prize for writing this piece for like three orchestras kind of playing over each other, like these waves of music. And it, John Luther Adams. John Luther Adams. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was an L in the middle. Um, but they were talking about how he lives up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, whatever it is. And I was thinking, I was talking to Conrad about it. I was like, you know, you'd almost have to. Because there can't, I mean, yes, he, you know, Pulitzer Prize, very prestigious, whatever it is, but like, there can't be that much of a money market for the kind of music that he makes. You know, he's making music because he loves making music and that's great. And, you know, he can afford to do it, but it's not like the guy's making a million dollars a year living up in Alaska, writing music for orchestras, you know? Right. Um, and, but that, but that's okay. Cause he's, he's making music that he loves and he's made that decision and the way to live his life and whatnot, you know? And it is a beautiful piece of music. It is a cr- crazy uh, piece of music. Become ocean is what it's called. Very intense stuff. But anyway, yep. so in the same way, you're right. Yeah, that like a lots of people, they were doing it for them, you know, uh, and then and then it became something to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so this guy is great, and this interview is great. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up, the picture. Do you have the Ahorn Magazine uh, uh, interview up? Yes. Okay. If you the, scroll the down a bit there, there, yeah, I yes. But if you scroll down, there's a picture of a guy sort of behind a break. It looks like maybe a pole at a. Um, uh, 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 he's sort of half behind this pole that goes right down the middle of the frame. Yeah. It looks like it's looks a dry like a, cleaner or something. Yeah. 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 I like that picture a lot. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, so he shoots, uh, looks seemingly black and white, uh, did a series of things of, of, of people with AIDS in the eighties. You know, he's like, he's been around doing stuff for decades and he teaches. And one of the things that they asked him is how he, how he teaches and how he deals with assignments. And this is what I brought up to you before the show which I just thought was interesting. He said, I give them assignments like photograph five men you would like to sleep with without them knowing or flesh or details or people with animals. Sometimes, How do you sleep with somebody without them knowing about it? I think the idea is that you'd like to sleep with them without, I think, I think you're supposed to, so take they don't know that you want to, yes, not they don't know that you did. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> he says, sometimes they're individual assignments. Sometimes for, they're for the whole class. Another favorite is to make twice as many pictures as your highest amount so far. So like if you normally take portraits and you shoot 50 pictures of people, make a hundred pictures, print them all out and look at them. You know, um, another is to make two prints. I can't find anything wrong with like, impress me, show me two pictures, not one, Jeffrey, show me two that I can't find anything wrong with, you know, or structure. Anyway, the one thing he says here. He says, long-term projects are not my cup of tea as they are like unimaginative boxes with too much talk surrounding. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't agree. Okay. I think, I think, I don't know if I agree either, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. I I think there is a a, a definite place for long-term projects, whether that long-term project is intentional or a byproduct of stringing together a bunch of smaller projects. Fair enough. Yeah. Into a larger narrative. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting though. 
And and a good guy. Go check out his work. Um, yeah, know, I really the, like it. It's the nice. Sisters is really good, but I think I, he's. Um, it's interesting because I think that there's a lot of young photographers who would look at this and make it, and it would feel very old and stale to them. Oh, see, see what I'm trying I, to say? Yeah. Uh, but I, but I, I think this is part of that aesthetic thing we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. Where you and I see this sort of 70s large format, you know, more deliberate like kind of stuff. Yeah. Where okay, and, and, but, but now that you say that, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking on the, the Ahorn magazine. That yep. second shot of... Of the guy underneath the car? The guy underneath the car. Yep. And the guy... In, okay. Is so, that you over on the bike? <laughs> it's what I was just going to say. I had a bike just like that. And my mother had that car. It's a 1979 or 77, I guess, in this case. But they didn't change the body style. But it was a black Monte Carlo. Yep. Just like that. Yeah. So there, there are those familiarities that make me go, oh, that yeah. reminds me yeah. of this. And look, none of this stuff... I mean, he's using available light seemingly most of the time. Like uh-huh. this guy is not, he's not making things. He's not constructing photographs. You know what I mean? In the no, sense that these are not dependent on technique. Yeah. I mean, obviously the guy shooting with eight by 10, as fast as he does, he has right, mad right. technique, but the, but yeah, it's not, it's not using uh, trickery of photography right, in order right. to get the technique the is not superfluous. It's, yeah. it's, it's in, it's in the, the capture. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know, just interesting, something different. Yeah. I know? like this stuff. And I like the idea that he is more than just that one project. Right. Which I think a lot of people get shoehorned into. Sure. Um, so yeah, Nicholas Nixon, photographer of the week. Uh, let's see. Okay. I, I like it real quick. Yep. Uh, how did you decide to become a photographer? What were your inspirations when you began? This is interesting. Uh, I decided to become a photographer on the, fr- uh, the first day of a photography class I took at the university of Michigan the summer before my senior year. Right. I was an English major and my influences came and still come from that. Faulkner, Willa Cather, Henry Green, Prost, uh, Dickens, it goes on, Dickens, Hemingway. Yep. Uh, I added painters, Giotto, Chardin, Bonnard, Freud uh, in, in photography, Aceh, Weston, Lang, Arbus, Friedlander. So kind of making the case that, that there are influences outside photography that can influence photography. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Especially if, uh, you know, it's like uh, even that uh, composer guy was saying, he's like, you know, me and my friends, we started out playing in playing cover bands, you know. Right, right. And then we just, we need something more than this. So we started listening to avant-garde classical, you know, it's like, and so, yeah, I think that, I think that there's a lot to that, you know. I find inspiration in my portraits from the nerdiness I have about, you know, the moon landings, you know. Sure, sure. Like all these things feed into each other. Uh, today, I'm going to meet up with... um uh, uh, a uh, um, choreographer, a Dave uh, Dave Greggies, who's like this, you know, serious photographer, uh, uh, choreographer. It's like, what, you know, and he's like, let's, you know, I'm I'm having a, a video shoot of this piece I just did. You know, why don't you come by and let's talk about something we can do with it? You know, something else. It's like, okay, so I'm going to go by. You know, who knows where that'll lead? You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's fun. Uh, interesting too. He shoots almost exclusively black and white that I've seen. Yeah. Which, uh, which I, to me would feel very, that would feel too much to me. Too limiting? Yeah. Interesting. I, I like, I like color. I want to go listen to this, this John Luther Adams thing again now. Well, go listen, go listen I to like the real the thing. I like the sort of, I like the drone of it. it, it oh, it, you want to listen like, to the piece, not the interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
you know, I will put it's come become ocean is what it's called. Become ocean, yeah. Uh, here, here's a. So you got you got a link to it that we can yeah. put up. There you go. Can't okay, so music. Uh, <laughs> I can't uh, elope with your daughter. What? Sorry, what? Podcast at ontakingpictures.com if you want to uh, offer feedback, and we certainly love to hear from you. Yep. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, go go check out uh, Linda. What is it? Linda.com slash OTP? Uh, slash OTP, I do believe it is. Yeah, go check it out. I mean, I think you're going to be blown away. You, you know, even if you choose not to sign up right away, try the free trial. And, yep. and uh, there, there are, what, a hundred and some odd thousand... 200 some odd thousand tutorials. You're sure to find something. You're going to learn something. Yeah. That's the old Patrick motto. Uh, that, that is, that is the way Patrick looks at things. Hey, uh, so in two weeks, I'm going to be in New Mexico. Right. Uh, which means next week we need to do two shows. We just did a Q and a recently. Um, but is there, you know, I just, can I throw it out there to the listeners to think I of want to do one, one after that's too soon. It's too soon. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. So I'm, what I'm saying is if anybody has an idea of some sort of like, like a topic thing, they haven't, yeah, thing, something we haven't talked about or, uh, you know, some sort of special show. Like okay. when we did our Hackintosh show, that was fun. So instead of, instead of, uh, uh, questions, show topics. Yes. That's oh, what I'm I like saying. that. Yeah. Send in some show topics. Yeah. Is that good? You know, go, 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 go over and, tr- and sign up for that Linda thing. And, and then, you know, let that, let that, inspire what you want to ask yeah fill 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 in your uh your 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 tank yeah um anything else you you got all our contacts right yep okay then we will see you next week yeah thanks for listening everyone we'll see you next week Say what you want to say I know what you will say will